sent my own. Worldwide, I have sent my angels to do so. They will slay anything in their path. God tell you that my people are protected. I and only I made the heavens and everything that is made. I will reveal to you at this time. First the hells must come.
You will never ever have your utopia. I will see to it that hell comes to earth while I rescue my own. You will know then that I am the Lord God and I am stronger than any of you. surprise will occur to those who are not rejected my offering and slain my lambs therefore prepare for vengeance those days, uh, the dub days, you know, how theatrical, huh, dub can be, especially when you crank everything, just crank that echo, crank it, that's not the way it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be way more laid back than that, you know, emanating from Jamaica and the UK, it's, I violate all the rules, but uh, I'm just doing my own thing with it, you know, now I thought today, Greetings in the name of the Most High. Glad you're still there. Hanging on. And, you know, the thing is, it's, it's, you, you got to understand, it's, you know, the thing you should be saying, you know, or we, we should all be saying is, you should see the other guy. Just imagine not having the Lord. Not being able to cling, you know, to 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 the Most High, you know, not being able to to be there. I mean, you know, the 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 the, the thing about the Lord is, you have, uh, you know, you have a well. What can we call it? You know, you have the Comforter. You have a word of knowledge. Um. You you have, uh, you know, I'd love to find, you know, this. Unfortunately, the, the reason they show you verses when you, you know, searching for God's comfort and things like that, the reason they show you the NIV is because the NIV is, uh, Satan has uh, destroyed it. You can pick and choose, but if you read it straight through, there's there's missing text. They just decided it wasn't important enough for you to see. And if you really want to get into it, you can get a 1611 Bible and you can get into it further. You can 
Uh, as far as people ask me all the time about the about the Gnostic Gospels, the Gnostic Gospels and um, Jesus being a Gnostic and initiated in the high orders of um, you know secret societies and all that. I think that's that's fine to, for people to talk about, but it's used to destroy people's faith. I, I just have to say it. I mean, you know, I'm sick and tired of hearing it. I don't want to hear it anymore. Okay? People looking for some secret angle. There is no secret. There is no secret angle about Jesus. The name itself contains all the mystery and the enigma. The enigma cannot be solved by saying secret society, Gnostic, um, and, and you, know, uh, you know, training. And, you know, there's, there's one I really love. Uh, the Tibetans train Jesus in the way of Vajrayana, the thunderbolt vessel, and, uh, you know, taught him everything he knows. The Tibetans are fucking liars. They always have been. They're, they're more akin to, they're, they're like in bed with Adolf Hitler and stuff, you know, trying to do remote viewing killing, which, by the way, it's a program that uh, I almost wound up in when I was a child. Thank God I got myself kicked out of there. Well, not really kicked out, but just, you know, it's, 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 it damaged me. You know, they would give you pieces of paper to look at with little drawings of, you know, you don't even know what it is. It's like, kill everyone in that building. <laughs> because they learned that from the Tibetans. That's where they got it. But then they, they militarized it. And so a lot of these kids, you know, not, not if they have if any gifts at all. I had extreme gifts and tested and all that. But um, those gifts were because I traumatized. Those gifts came when I was traumatized and I needed to protect myself. They weren't for, <clears throat> they weren't for the psychic phone network. It wasn't for, um, you know, remote viewing. Although I have had my clashes in the spirit with various sorcerers and witches over the, over the years. And um, I've suffered from it, you know. I, I, one time I remember praying about everything. And, like, they were trying to get us to go next door to this uh, event this was when the woman, I guess she's dead now, but, you know, she was there. And uh, they were having these house concerts, and they were just, like, you know, over-amping us coming there. It was, like, it was definitely a Rosemary's Baby type of thing, you know, in the neighborhood. And I was like, Lord, are you going to... And Lord said, I'm going to make this neighborhood suitable for you to live in. And it... So he brought a hailstorm that just rain down hail because they were calling every five minutes you know what i mean and we were just like well no we're not going to go we're not feeling all that great and not n nothing personal we're just going to sit this one out but they just it, they wouldn't have it and it was weird it was like a weird thing they had to have it you know they planned on having it so to me i thought okay this was some kind of you know little hookup session and uh i'm not you know I, the lord you know protects us from those so he brings a hailstorm that hails only on them. And the, you know, the ditzy girl singer who 
you know, was with this, uh, you know, loser producer guy who lived in the neighborhood who had some fame in the past as a rock guitarist. But I guess, you know, you can't live on that forever, right? If it's like 25 years ago, you're still living on that reputation, you know? So they had this little band, this twosome. And she was singing, but at least she had, at least she had the intuition, at least she had like a, a remote niggling feeling that, you know, maybe God was involved in this. I mean, and it's like, you feel like saying, I mean, right? Don't you just get frustrated? You feel like saying, you think? Do you even know what the real deal is? <laughs> Do you know anything? And she goes, you know that, that she she admitted that they they were being targeted, and but they thought it was um, my uh, capability that I was doing it, and Trish and I didn't do anything. We were we were witnesses because we saw the hail cut off at our what you might call it at that time was a drive was like a gravel drive we had then. Now there's stone out there, but it was like gravel. And it was it cut off right by the uh, our uh, house plants and roof and you know whatever it it it's it, it had a line right there. It would come no further, and it just inundated. In fact, it hit that house and those cars over there that were all parked there for that uh, little house concert party thing. It hit uh, all the cars. It dented them all. And um, it broke up the entire party. They all had to leave. And why, do, why did that happen? What did those people do? Was, and, and then they, they find, she tied it back to, you know, um, they, got, they were warned, you don't mess with them, us. You don't mess with us. I mean, this is, this is basically, you're lucky you weren't caught outside where this stuff can knock you out in the head, you know? Uh these big hail, golf-sized hail uh, stones. And it was a blizzard. I mean, you couldn't even see through it. It was just so much material coming down from the sky. Huge thunder cell, you know, uh, supercell. And it just dumped right there. And then it went on and, and, you know, dried up, and that was the end of it. But it did one thing. It broke the party up. It was supposed to be a concert and food and drink and... Satanism, but uh, they were determined to uh, get us into the club, and um, that's not how we roll. We roll with Jesus only, right? Jesus only. How many times have you like been invited to something that was all about you, Rosemary's Baby on steroids, and something happened like you were just diverted, or some distraction, or something where you just got, went, you just never really made it there. But that was God steering you because, see, had you made it there, you would have died. You'd be dead right now. You'd be dead like they're dead. Or you'd be literally dead. But, I mean, dead like they're dead is dead, 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 and fucking dead. You're dead. You're dead. You're useless. Why are you useless? Because you go up against the Most High God. And you try to harm God's children. And you, you harm anything that's innocent, anything that's good, anything that's decent. Okay. 
I've gotten all excited now. Uh, please forgive me for the F word. I'm sorry. I get so mad that I just I just can't seem to contain myself. You know, I'm, I, I just I, I get so angry. At the, I guess my anger is at and my is really frustration, and it's at the ignorance of people, at the stupidity. I just can't take it anymore. You know, I mean, it, 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 you know, I used to mock them, you know, and, and, and imitate them, you know, <laughs> and try to be like a worlder, you know, whoa, you think, yeah, yeah I get it now, you know, you know, nod and wink. <laughs> and um, the danger is not, you know, they, they can, you can seek all the pleasure you like, but the danger is, is when it becomes... Uh, initiatory in, into it, it's irre, it's irrevocable. Don't you understand that? You have destroyed your free will. You've given it over, and the only thing that will save you at this point is you're not going to repent because you're too afraid that if you do. I mean, I know people that were nice to me, so they got killed. You know, they're nice to you. They could they could they could be in jeopardy. That's why they're mean. They're mean because if they did anything else, they'd be, in, they'd be in trouble. They think that's not true. If you're nice to the children of the Most High, you're re- rewarded. You're given a chance to repent. You're given a, a, another chance to be redeemed, usually. I mean, not, not, there's no guarantee. I'm just kind of in general, talking in generalities of what I've seen. But for sure, if you go up against the children of the Most High, you're not going to get any chance to repent. Oh, we're talking about such a heavy subject now, aren't we? That's right. A lot of your friends and neighbors are, you know, on their way. They're hell bound, whatever that means. They think it's a lake of fire. Well, it's a lake of fire, at least on a temporary basis. But ultimately, it's um, it's just, um, you know, the, the life is dust. Meaning it's, you know, life is insignificant. Um, I think the the real story of God is since all things are God, you know what I mean? God created all things. Um, it, it's, it, he explains it in the book of Obadiah best when he said, it's as if you, it's, you know, the, about, he's talking about Esau and Esau will be as if he had never been. Be, even though he was a, a mighty man of the earth. No, get out of here now. Come on, don't just sit there and, and, and bark into the microphone. Now, I know he wants to play. Well, I haven't done a pod in a while, so I thought, you know, maybe I'd try. But, you know, we've been having this problem for the last three dogs. Um, yeah, it's really tough. It's really hard on me, not him. I'm trying to keep my concentration. But anyway, so... When you bless the children of the Most High, God blesses you. Uh, that's the way he rolls. That's, that's a God thing. When you're uh, mean to the children of the Most High, you're punished. And you know those of you who have repented and come to the Lord, you know what that punishment's like, right? Because you were in the world, you're all hooked up with the world system and all that, then you had an incident, you got sick, and people abandoned you. Oh, imagine that. 
You mean, and they lied to you about your job. It wasn't so secure. And they're not waiting for you to come back. And you just felt lower than, than dirt. You didn't know what to do. And so you actually repented. Well, good for you. You figured it out. Fear God, not man, okay? Don't fear what man can do to you because the man's going to do it to you. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose. You can just get sick one time and you watch what happens. You're going to lose your friends. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your little uh, connection to the circle. Which is a complete waste of time. You're going to lose your connection to the world system. You're going to lose your place in line. And they're going to do all that to you along with uh, you're going to have to take a few daggers out of your back because they want to move up. And so they, they're, they're, they're itching to take your place and shove you to the side. And that's completely legal, by the way, if you can get away with it. And then when you're, when you're sitting there all alone, you know, trying to figure out what the hell happened to you, you have to understand what happened to you is and I'm going to give you some good news. God breaks those he loves. You're getting broken by God. And when you're broke down enough, you will finally cry out and you at least say, please stop hurting me. And then hopefully you'll figure out that the only real help is the most high and all that that entails. You know, the kingdom, which is the only kingdom there is. There is no Satan's kingdom. There's no such thing. There is no satanic circle. There's no such thing. There's quantum <laughs> physics. There's manipulation of, uh, there's sympathetic magic. There's, you know, does a lot of damage. You take voodoo dolls and you can kill somebody with that. That's the same thing as like the remote viewing type of, of, of uh, military operations. You can, yeah, you can certainly do all that stuff. You say, oh, that works. Well, yeah, destruction can work. You can, you know, you can take two objects and separate them by, you know, that are, that are, that are quantumly entangled. And you can separate them by 100 billion light years. And whatever happens to one will happen to the other. Just, you know what I mean? And instantaneously without having to travel through time or space. That's what they've learned how to manipulate they've learned that they've learned that so what did they do they applied it to splitting the atom right what's the atom atman equals brahman right atman equals brahman which is the crux of the upanishads which is as far as so so second heaven now i'm assuming you know what i'm talking about so i'm just going to keep going second heaven second heaven there is, they, sure, they, Satan can get into the second heaven. That is, you know, the, the, the children of Satan who don't believe in Satan still have access to the second heaven to conduct their spiritual warfare, which, you know, to attack you, to throw diseases at you, to throw, to set up uh, setups and, and traps and booby traps and, and uh, you, you know, um, all kinds of, of uh, mischief. Because they figure that's going to give them a boost. 
And you're never coming back because you went to the hospital. You got cancer. You got fired. You got, well, you're done. They don't want to hear from you again. Oh, I know you paid all your dues. You did everything they said. You did what they told you. All the way down the line. And instead of the gold watch, they kicked your head in. You know, it's even worse. Like, like you know, communism is a, uh, out, like a political manifestation of Satanism. That's what it is. Which is basically the same, the same thing. It's a uh, do-what-thou-wilt uh, kind of uh, works-based, uh, selfish, narcissistic, uh, um, unfair, uh, totalitarian, uh, you know, brutal force against humanity. Which is the true nature of, of the opposite of God. Right? That's the true nature would be communism. But communists are too stupid to figure out what they're part of. I mean, I've, I've talked to them at length. They're so indoctrinated, they can't reason. So I don't reason with them anymore because they can't reason. They go, well, we got all the people on our side. We're going to crush you. It's like, oh, that's a oh, brute force. Yeah, use brute force. Yeah, go, that's what you know, you know, brute force. That's all you really know. You know, someone disagrees with you, just crush them. <laughs> And um, to me, that's just, that's just pig-headed and, and uh, full of shit. And dumber than, than rocks. So there's no ability to reason. Oh, I, need, I need to be like, you know, what's fair? And it's like, well, who's collecting the tax money then? Who's distributing the wealth? Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, those guys. <laughs> A human, huh? So therefore, it's going to be corrupt and unfair, and you're not going to get your fair share. But please blame uh, white people and go kill a lot of them because they're obviously causing it because you're too stupid to even look at yourself in the mirror. You can't even see how dumb your thoughts are, how totally insignificant. And the only thing that's going to ever save you is going to be if God is compassionate enough on you to break you. I mean, to break you in a million pieces. So you can't just get up and go, you know, join in the, uh, the cocktails or the orgies or the, the uh, you know, the, the, uh, the pride parades, which is just another communist uh, stronghold. It's got nothing to do with human rights whatsoever. It's got to do with lawfare and forcing children ultimately to be uh, uh, mutilated, uh, genitals mutilated, uh, to castrate boys, uh, to destroy women—that's um, that's the real face to to uh, enforce um, uh, pedophilia. Ultimately, that will be the the thing they keep hiding, and pedophilia will never be will never be accepted. I can tell you that there will be a a fight to the death before that happens. And you can tell we're kind of preparing for that, aren't can't you? Yeah, well. You know, Jesus did say, you know, make sure you've got a sword. So I've done three little videos showing my sword. I've got an Excalibur sword. A, uh, I've got a uh, military katana made in Japan. Well, made here, but then with Japanese uh, steel. And then um, I've got a cane sword, a cane that uh, can double. You pull a sword out of it, and it's just simply a, a self-defense like if you get messed with you you know it's it's just 
it's it's just meant for indiscriminate stabbing. <laughs> you know, it's just meant to, you know, if they're they're on you, you 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 can you can you know get them off of you. It's really a, a, a self defense weapon because usually people with canes get attacked by uh, uh, you know young young people see an old person and they want to, you know, throw him down on the ground and rob him and take everything and then, you know, put a brick to his head and crush his skull. So maybe God doesn't want you to die just yet. So maybe you might have to defend yourself. Oh, I know there'll be a lot of Christians martyrs that, that just, you know, like, like we've already seen with ISIS, who will accept being drowned in a cage, who will accept having being beheaded in a square who will accept, you know, who will, you know, get caught and not fight back. Yeah. But then there are people that are, that are, are meant to defend um, either their family or their children. And uh, God empowers them to do just that. You know, I mean, it's, it's kind of a mixed bag there, but there's no one rule that you have to turn the other cheek means when they're slaughtering everybody, just don't, don't help out, just sit there and get slaughtered. Because if that's based on cowardice, which it is, 99% of the time, people don't fight back because they're afraid. That's unacceptable to the Lord. He does not accept cowardice. Uh, and that's, that, that was Peter's big deal. Peter was a coward when he denied Jesus three times. And so he had to repent by affirming Jesus three times. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Who am I? You're the Messiah, you're the one, you're the Son of God, you're the, you know, right? Had to, all over again, acknowledge who he is, and if you love him, and and make up, i.e. repent, right? Go the opposite direction of what he did, you know, before the Roman soldiers and others, right? Where he denied, I don't know this guy. And that's basically human nature. You know, Peter is like a lot of people. That's what I love about the Bible. It's, it's not only a, a real document, you know, it's, it's living. The word is alive. You know, but the people in it are people you can relate to. Peter did something that 90% of us would do because we're weak, because it's the flesh. So you have to keep, then you have to repent because the flesh is going to stay weak, so you keep repenting over and over and over and over again. You're not, you know, you talk, see the other guy, the worlder, you're no better than him. Both of you have the exact same weaknesses. So you're going to be, you know, so the difference is those weaknesses on the worlder side, he's going to embrace his strengths and say, yeah, I've got this, uh, this desire, that desire, this desire that's got to be fulfilled, you know. This guy wronged me, I'm going to go get even, you know, or whatever it is. And... Uh, the, the one in Christ that looks like the fool to the world is going to return, you know, um, good for evil. Well, you know, you can have a sword or, you know, a gun or whatever, not shoot the guy. You know what I mean? You can return good. You can, you can spare that, that one's life. You can defend that person against another one. You can uh, give them the shirt off your back. Return good for evil. That is where I've kind of wound up thinking is the highest form of, uh, of, of accurate and successful spiritual warfare. Not simply praying away demons and casting them. I mean, you can cast out demons, but I mean, it's, 
it's really it's 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 really in, in more than that because they'll come right back if that person is not changed. All right, so you have to use discernment to figure out if that person's changed. If you cast the demons out and everyone's so blown away with the miracle that everyone repents, then that's good. That's a that's a plus plus. But if you cast demons out and nobody seems to care, uh, then you're you're wasting your time. You're wasting God's time. You're wasting my time. You know, see, that's the thing. God keeps us from going on fruitless excursions into Nowheresville, right? And, and gives inspiration as to, you know, go talk to this person. Go talk to that person. Out of a sea of millions of people, that one person needs to be talked to. Tell them about Jesus. And how do you do that? You witness. Jesus did this for me. Jesus did that for me. Jesus did this for me. This, this, this that, and the other thing. Um, Jesus just saved my life again for the umpteenth, you know, hundredth time. Jesus protected us from the uh, the wolves next door who'd since moved away, who were, you know, the, the woman that lived there was, you know, it was so funny, she was from Beverly Hills. What are the odds? Totally, you know, and, and she still was like L.A. oriented, you know what I mean? And, and she had grown up in the same place and same things and same people the whole bit. And she was adamant. Um, and she used to mock me all the time, like she'd see me driving around. She goes, what are you doing out here by yourself? Things like that, you know, thinking that's a big joke and that's funny because you know, of the uh, dangers that lambs face. Thinking that's really funny. Ha, 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 that's really funny, lady. And even after that rebuke from the Lord with the hail, she didn't connect it. She just kept on. So God moved her. She went to some, she couldn't, uh, she got ripped off by by criminals and she couldn't afford uh, any kind of retirement. So she took what little she had and went to, down to Mexico to, uh, to get in some old folks program down there. Probably pretty nice, but I mean, you know, it's not what she had had in mind. She had to leave the country um, to live out the last of her days to have care because she couldn't take care of herself in the house. Now the house has become like a, a horse house. It's for um, rescuing thoroughbreds, I think. Anyway, bottom line is um, the the woman got run out of town. In fact, a bunch of people left, leaving the neighborhood just absolutely perfect for us to live in. God's promise 100% fulfilled. There's no danger. There's one guy that you know, because is, is, hates Christians, but he he himself is is so so obvious and such a joke anyway. You know, and, and if you need help, you just pay him, and he'll, he'll you can use his backhoe, and he'll clear the snow out for you. You know what I mean? He's just he's sort of a little bit of a you know, uh, he's pretty much you know purchasable, and and then he forgets all about you know. One point he told me he goes, hey. You and I know Satan, don't we, Zav? And I, I said, uh, well, yes, I mean, that, that's my enemy. 
And then after that, he was pissed at me. So he says, uh, he put a sticker on his car that said, uh, so many Christians and so few lions. You know, like like we should be thrown to the lion. Like, you know, we should be killed. And, uh, and so every time I would see him, I'd wave. Hey, man, how are you? Get you get yourself some Christians today? Ah, too bad. You just got to live with all these bigots, huh? <laughs> yeah. You see a lot of a lot of you know it's it's kind of funny, um, you know, in this part of the world, and you know, Santa Fe is is known, you know, politically correct, you know, blue state, and so the Cowboys are, you know, pretty much just say this, we'll just say they're pride oriented. To see them, you know, acting tough, though, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know if I can really describe it. I'm trying, trying to be, you know, respectful, but it's, it just looks kind of weird. It's kind of like when a city slicker, you know, a lot of these guys are just like Brokeback Mountain sort of, you know, gay cowboys. All right. They don't bother me, but I'm just saying that they, in this area, you have a lot of that, a lot of, you know, uh, you know, strong, opinionated, left, leftwards, communist cowboys. And you usually think of cowboys as conservative or country music or, you know, Nashville or, you know, Texas or something like that. You don't think of, um, you know, sort of, of of the kind of imagery that we see here. And it's good that I see that, that I'm exposed to that so I can use that in my writing. Because that's a very interesting thing to see them in the local restaurant here and they're talking politics and they're all dressed up in their cowboy gear. They got their, you know, their bandana around their neck and they got, you know, dirty deer shirt. Like they've, they've, they've been out roping, you know, <laughs> it's, it is. Uh, and then they're talking about the evil of Trump, <laughs> you know, how evil Trump is and how awful conservatives are and these terrible white people. And they're all white. You know, there's like not even uh, Hispanic among them. They're all transplants from like the East Coast Ivy League schools, and now they're cowboy, they're tough cowboys now. And there's there's like a horse hospital here. There's a ranch where they have rodeos. There's, you know, there's a lot of serious cowboy stuff going on. You know what I mean? That there's a not as much as Texas, obviously. Texas is is huge in rodeos, but it's it's uh, it's just very interesting. You just the last thing you'd think you'd hear when you walk in a room with these guys, and they all look real tough is them talking about, you know, fashion and and how awful Trump is and, you know, and the latest, uh, you know, CNN talking points. And it's it's uh, it's a sight to behold. But, I mean, if you haven't had, you know, just we'll read one of my books one day and maybe I'll be able to work some of that in because it's, it's a deep subject. Well, we'd like to trace a guy all the way back to New York and the decision to go out west and, you know, go from, you know, like, you know, Greenwich Village to, to being a, a cowboy in Santa Fe County. I think it's very interesting. It's very interesting. Well, no, I mean, I'm not, no, before you label me as a homophobe boomer and all that lies, um, one of my best friends, you know, for in L.A. was a guy who wrote the first gay novel. One of the first, one of the first all gay novels 
They had five books published, and it was called uh, Muscle Bound, I think. And I, I had I'd lost touch with him, you know. I, I think he's still out there. He got himself real buff and all that. But you know, we were actually friends, and I, I helped him with his computer and to, to to be able to format his screenplays and to have them come out in perfect, you know, formatted condition so he could you know, submit them. And uh, I don't know exactly how we met. I think we met because uh, I was referred there by the company that I worked for. To, to help him out, then we sort of became uh, social friends. But, you know, I drew the line on uh, the gay thing, you know, obviously. And so there's, and, and that becomes a, a little bit of a rift, too. You know, there's, there's almost this vibe that, well, why won't you at least try it? And, you know what I mean? And it's like, well, how do you know I haven't? <laughs> Maybe it's just not, not really my thing, you know? And uh, so there's 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 that that uh, kind of tension. Um, even if you have indulged in the past in, in in the flesh, which is all it is, it's not a, a certain kind of thing. It's flesh is flesh, fornication is fornication. Um, but then you you prefer not to, or you like girls, you know, which is kind of a no no in West Hollywood. <laughs> You know, and and so you know you're still you're still attached to mommy. You need to be liberated. You know, here let us liberate you. You know, come on down to the bathhouse. We'll liberate you. Um, and and so there's 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 you know the religion of really the the whole gay thing to me was like a, like a religion, very much so. And it's not dissimilar from the LGBTQ is, you know, same thing is, you know, in the pride thing, it's, uh, the, the flag and taking over the rainbow, which I resent. I have my own rainbows. I don't, you know, you're not going to take my rainbow away. You don't own the rainbow. Sorry. God gave us the rainbow, uh, as a sign that the judgment was over and that he wasn't going to flood the earth again. So that's my rainbow, not yours. Or anybody that believes like I do, that's our rainbow. And, um, you know, you can, you can, you know, parade around with it all you want, but it doesn't, you know, when I see it, I, I see my thing, not yours. And the other thing is, I've always had this idea, you know, that, that people can have sex with whatever they want, including inanimate objects which they do quite thoroughly. And now with robots, right? Now that's the new thing. So that's going to be very much, you know, AI and robots and virtual sex and then eventually real tactile robots, you know, that have flesh and, you know, they can satisfy your needs. And as you get older, they can take care of you. (laughs) But... um, Anyone can indulge in the flesh in anything, you know, whether it be gay, bi, this, that, the other thing. I mean, anyone can do anything. So I don't, so I draw no line. Fornication's fornication. Men, women, men, men, women running after children. All, all of it is a weakness of the flesh if it has nothing to do with, with, you know, building families, building, you know, building population. You know, building, they say, well, we have enough people. No, we don't. That's, that's. That's the worlder, that's the Satanists 
moniker. They have there's too many people, so they justify all their nefarious deeds against humanity on their opinion that there's too many people. When act, in actuality, uh, there's plenty of resources to take care of how many people are here and more. God said, "Replenish the earth." He didn't say, you know, man should interfere and try to restrict it. You know, the birth rates are way down because the sperm rates are so low. The sperm rates are low because why? Because they're poisoning the food, poisoning the water, poisoning the atmosphere to make sure that those rates and, you know, and the frequencies and the radiation to make sure those rates stay down so there can't be any children. I mean, this is, they're obsessed with no children. Abortion is basically human sacrifice. We all know that. It's taken, and now there's no such thing as abortion. Abortion's been canceled. What there is is birth, and then the parents are, you know, the mother is told that the fetus has been aborted, and then they keep it alive, and then they dismember it for the uh, parts, and then they sell the parts. Nobody throws the fetus away. Come on. That's worth like $150,000 right there, you know, broken up into little sections, you know, little lungs and arts and spleens and legs and arms and necks and heads even, and little brains, and cells, and blood. All that stuff is a commodity. All that stuff is worth money, 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 baby, money, lots of money. You don't just, you tell the girl, yeah, we uh, we just aborted your, you know, third trimester baby. I mean, what kind of a monster are you? You know, well, that's good. I was so... Uh, the only reason I got pregnant was so I could sacrifice the baby. I, I want to murder my babies, you know, because that's, that's the whole party I'm in. All the people, you know, having babies just so they can sacrifice them. You know, it's, a really, it's really cool, man. And then maybe we can eat them. Yeah. They have rituals to see if someone's loyal where they, they sit down and you have to eat poop. It's one of the initiation rites. Bathe in poop, eat poop, bathe in blood. A bloodbath, have people die and bleed on you. Yeah, I mean, every opposite thing you can think of, every perversion you can think of, that's, you know, they've been doing that. And they've been doing that since the beginning of time. They were doing that during the golden calf time. This is all old. They just kept it hidden from you. Nothing ever stopped in America. They came in and they just took over and they, you know, and they're going to run it into the ground, just like they run everything into the ground and everyone. They ran, they ran my family completely in the ground. They, 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 they thought they were so lucky. Well, none of them, they don't exist. I'm the only one. I'm the witness. They're all dead. Completely. And the reason they're dead is because they brought the curse on themselves. You know, the curse of, you know, no children and no future, no grandchildren, no nothing. That's it. Just dead and line-ended. And God reserves that punishment for people that are really wicked. Really wicked. Really wicked. No line. Oh, I mean, you know, the Bush family is a big family and all that. They go on for a while. But, you know, ultimately, uh, Psalm 37 says, you know, God will slay evil. Don't be jealous of uh, evil people that prosper in front of you. Just know that their day is coming. And I have the faith to understand that it's not your call and it's not about you. It's about what they're doing in relation to God, not what you're doing. You're, it, it, in fact, it shouldn't even be really on our minds what they're doing. We should be having God on our minds, and we, we put him there, 
And yes, many times we don't get the paycheck. Many times we don't get the opportunity. We get put to the back of the line. We get cheated out of it. It happens every day. And every time you take one for the team, every time you take a hit like that, you're furthering the kingdom of God. You're pleasing to God. It's a sacrifice you're making. You're going to take that kind of treatment because of your faith in God. You could be well-liked. You could be adored and worshipped simply by switching sides. But you don't do that. And the reason you don't do that is because, you know, how would you like to be without anybody? Just like your, your, your backstabbing friends, that's it. Your backstabbing mother, your backstabbing father, your backstabbing son or daughter. And the minute you weaken, they just can't wait to get rid of you. How do you, how do you feel if you were just cut off from God and that's what you had to face every day? It would drive you completely insane or depressed or to some extreme, but the extreme would be pain, period. Pain on steroids, pain on, you know, pain on uh, pain to the nth power. Pain upon pain upon pain upon pain. Everything is bad and everyone is bad and everything is getting worse and nothing is better and nothing will ever get better. Everything is going to be just absolute disaster and sorrow and pain and suffering, uh, you know, f- to the end of your days, and nothing is going to help you. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to get to that point pretty soon, folks. And what that means is that um, they're, they're, you know, God's calling home a lot of prodigals f- to repentance, but we're all saying, you mean it took you this long to figure this out? Well, we were afraid. Well, is that, that why you wear your mask? Because you're afraid? Is that why you took the jab and then you, you know, died of a heart attack? Because you're afraid? You're afraid to go up against mommy, mommy dearest, the queen whore of Babylon? Because they might hurt you? So now look at you. Your blood is tainted. I mean, they're trying to taint everybody now with the food and everything to make sure that nobody gets out. So that's a new ball game, and that new ball game is basically this: the Lord and Lord only can get you out. Do you think the people of Earth will, will ever figure that out? No, they won't. There's like a, maybe a third who will, who already have, who are born knowing, who are born black sheep, who are born rejected. I was born myself pretty much rejected because I had original ideas. My parents hated my original ideas. I had ideas about Bobby Kennedy and, you know, in 1968. I had ideas about Martin Luther King and John F. Kennedy. I had, um, you know, thoughts about the universe and about God and about other things. And all they wanted was, you know, go to church, conform to that, learn the, the lessons of Sunday school, do the rituals, do the, do the marriage, do the funeral, you know, have your life and then die on cue. Thank you very much. Next, please. Not good enough. Not good enough for me. I told that to a young person, a young woman, 30 years old. And I talked and I mocked this idea of just, you know, following the rules, being able to get away with 
you know, fleshy things, you know. Uh, human trafficking of children, which, which she was well aware of, because uh, especially in, when you're dealing with, with uh, Hispanic people that have connections to Mexico, what do you get? You get trafficking. You get, you know, children are basically fair game in Mexico. <laughs> I mean, there is no hunting of pedophiles. You know, there's a, there's, a, um, there's, a, there's a show on Prime that I've just, it's, it's got to be, it's got to be 15 years old. It's called Pedophile Hunters. Can you believe they brought that out and put that on there? It's a documentary. Pedophile Hunters. It's about tracking one guy in Thailand, an American, who goes over there, uh, you know, sex tourism. He's after 14-year-old girls, which is not, you know, not as huge a crime as we know and not, no numbers. And how law enforcement, you know, the DEA agents are so great. And then they showed a picture of Bill Clinton as being, you know, the stalwart, you know, champion of children's rights. I just about dropped off the floor. I dropped out of the chair. I couldn't believe it. There's smiling Bill Clinton. You know, he's got his hands and everything, right? Epstein Island, the whole bit. You know, Mr. Pedophile. Can you believe it? I mean, you know, and it's the one loser guy that's in Thailand that they're that they're that they want to prosecute and bring back for extradition and throw him in jail. And and eventually they do with cooperation from witnesses in the area. From witnesses in the area. <laughs> you know, the one guy, and I think they put it up there on television, not for us who know the, the story. We know the real, what's really happening. Don't expect um, Hollywood actors to understand. They don't. They're as stupid as can be. As, but they always have been. If, when you get an intelligent one, they usually move to Europe. <laughs> they try to get away. <clears throat> uh, it is pretty funny. I mean, it's uh, watching them reason, watching like Mark Ruffalo on, on, on X, used to be Twitter, you know, d defending, you know, taking the opposite position on everything, you know, just like, you know, talking about how great a job Biden's doing and, and you know, not, not seeing that, you know, as she, for, for, geez, his neighbors are, can't pay their taxes and, and people are starving and, you know, things are being shut off and he's sitting there like on his high horse on his soapbox talking about, you know, how great, you know, the, the, oh, everything is going. So, you know, while Rome burns, he's talking about the, the, the benefits of Rome. It's unbelievable. The guy has no clue what reality is whatsoever. And yet, he's a big influencer. One should say, go back to acting. You were better at that. But you've got a lot of those people like that. You've got Megan Fox coming out and, you know, the uh, consort of uh, Machine Gun Kelly you know, the, the rock star who tried to become an actor and failed. And, and failed miserably, I might add. And you've got, uh, you've got her coming out and saying, you know, anybody that's conservative, and what that means is if you're a Christian, okay, let's, let's really give, you know, we know she's going to lie, so that's what she really means. Uh, I'm going to, you know, we're going to kill you and then cannibalize you. 
I, I thought it was Babylon B. I checked it out a little more thoroughly, and it turns out that she said that. And it's well, you know, it's commensurate with she's losing her looks. She was a real hottie a few years ago, you know, but now she's, you know, because she she prays her looks are everything, you know. She's she's that's it. She's the one that came forward and said she was almost in our documentary, and she came forward and said, uh, you know, we drink each other's blood. Her and her boyfriend, Machine Gun. They drank each other's blood, you know, for ritual purposes only, she said. I know she's pretty dumb, but, you know, of course she's dumb. She's just a dumb bitch, you know, that's all there is to it. And now she's getting ugly, so now she's getting violent. Now, as I understand it, she grew up in privilege, but then again, I, I, I haven't looked much more into it because we couldn't use her because our attorney said that you can't use her um, saying that she's a Satanist and she drinks blood because uh, if you put that in the documentary, you might get sued for libel. I said, but she did say that. I can't use that clip. Can't we just talk over the clip? Nope. Anyway, I didn't make the clip anyway. I didn't make the doc anyway. It was really Larry is the, uh, the writer and director and uh, overall producer of the doc. And then Laura's Kirchie is the, uh, he is the, uh, the, the main producer, the, the guy that came up with the idea, and I am just the cattle. I am just there to, to you know, and, and uh, I had nothing, no input. But I did, I, well, I did have some input when I saw the final product. When I saw Larry's final cut, I was able to say yay or nay. And that's the only creative influence I had besides showing up and being on camera as a fat man, you know, not looking my best at all. I was pretty sick at the time, you know, and getting sicker. And, um, you know, so I was in a very vulnerable position and we got a lot said, thank God Trish was in it because she could say a lot of things about the family and my mother and things because she she witnessed all the stuff that I'd been talking about. She'd been there, and she'd witnessed it firsthand, including being poisoned. So that, it's really, you no, know, I know when you're, well, the first attempt that my mother attempted to kill me, I was a teenager, and they hired this hitman um, who was the music teacher there, who was a Hollywood composer. So that was the connection with Hollywood. And, you know, he would take care of the, of the family problem of, you know, Woody, me at the time. And uh, he had henchmen who gave me the LSD and the phenobarbital. They, these henchmen were like, they, they posed as students. But then, as I understand later, they weren't students. They were special ops. That so was like a hit. Well, I was supposed to die in the hospital. But somehow they just tried that one last time with the paddles, you know. And my heart started going again after 20 minutes out. They were, they, were, they, were, they, were, they were packing me into the morgue, you know what I mean? And then decided one last time. And um, even my mother said, well, that had to be a God thing. There's just no way that uh, you should have made it. Oh, oh, you know something about that, Mom? You know, you know how much phenobarbital they, they gave me? Enough to kill 15 people. Okay? Thank you very much. I'm glad you're dead. I really am. I, I don't hate her. I just, it's just that 
she and her um, assassin boyfriend are just, you know, complete predators, and they just they just found no problem attacking, you know, attacking anybody, you know what I mean? Anyone that died mysteriously, even my brother when he died, you know, he felt this, you know, he was poisoned to death. Same kind of thing, you know? It's just all around, all around them. But yeah, they had muscle. They had a Hollywood guy, composer guy, private school, had just gone co-ed, you know, far away in Denver, Colorado, you know, safe out of out of public scrutiny, right? Society wouldn't of Beverly Hills and and the hoity toity of LA wouldn't see it. And the proof of it is when I got back to LA finally years later after years of uh you know of psychiatrists and all kinds of things. And I just had to go back and face it. I wonder what happened back there. And when I got there, people that I used to know, they all said, you're dead, that everybody knows you died. Everybody, every, the whole town, everybody. And then, you know, I said, yeah, and that's because they had to do that. They had to put that, that out, that I'm dead, you know, that I, I OD'd on my own uh, because I was a troubled child and I OD'd, and I died, and isn't that too bad? Oh, well. And so that got put out to get the, you know, because anything less than that um, would, you know, they're paranoid that they would lose money. They would lose social position if they allowed me to go on and disrupt society. They don't wait till it gets to the police level. They take care of it right away. They don't wait till you become Patty Hearst, you know, rebelling against daddy and you're joining the Symbionese, the Symbionese Liberation Army, you know, to, to take down the system. And uh, <laughs> I'm down with the struggle, baby. They don't wait till, till, till you, go, you go full, you know, peak Patty Hearst. <laughs> you know, they take you out. Nice and early. It's an accident. You drowned. You went on a... Don't go on that, you know... My advice to young young men or women that are, you know, rebels, I'd say don't go on the hunting trip with dear old dad, okay? You get, you know... There's plenty of kids that got accidentally shot on those. They never came home. It's just an accident, a hunting accident. The guy just accidentally just dove off the... Uh, the you know thirty story building in Westwood. And he just he was having a fight with his mother, and then he just went up there and he just dove off the building. She had nothing to say about it. She was like, "Oh, that's just you know that's 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 awful." He he got to make a display of it though. They don't like to make a display of it where they drive the son to jumping off the building. They don't want that's a real thing that happened, and everyone was talking about. It. They don't want people talking about. It. They want to be. Yeah, yeah, Woody died in the thing in, you know, Denver, miles away, and it was an OD, too bad, you know, but he had problems with drugs, and so we all know that, and so, you know, we'll just have to let it go. And so no one would bat an eye. Okay, so that's, that's, that's how they roll. And I can tell there's, like, revolutionaries out there listening, right, right, to this podcast, 
you know, you know, your Marxist revolutionaries going, you know, yeah, see, that's the whole reason we became Marxist. And I'm like, yeah, but see, there's one problem. Who's in authority? And aren't they just as screwed up as anybody else? And don't they want a totalitarian regime where they're rich, like the Russian oligarchs during the communist uh, USSR, and everybody else, there's not enough to eat, and everybody's poor. And well, everyone's equally poor, so it's okay. <clears throat> you know, now the plan is to put everybody in compact cities and compact buildings and just, you know, rack them and stack them as, as just, you know, basically commodities while the, 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 the wealthy elite go off and have their tennis tournaments and their yacht, and their yacht clubs and their and their, you know, sailboat races and their uh, mansions in Miami and, and, and all, the, all, they're going to have all that. And they're, you know, they, they don't get private planes anymore. They just take jumbo, they buy jumbo jets for themselves because they, they've got more money than anyone ever had before. So now that we're in the age of trillionaires, they can buy five planes. And they can buy all people. You know, Elon Musk said that he's going to, um, anyone that gets uh, sued or gets hurt by somebody, uh, I guess gets stricken by something they like on Facebook. We're not going to be playing that game, Ben. Well, you, what you should do is go outside. He can't stand it. Okay, I'll, I'll leave. I'll let, I'll let you call the shots. You can call the shots. The, the dog... Tells me what to do. Um, so yeah, there's a reason they give you the that you know they give you the NIV. Um, it's because the NIV is inaccurate compared to you know it's not every verse but many of them, and so I have a, an app that's just KJV, but it's hard to um, um, you, you know. It's hard to really um no there's a there's a site called the King James Bible online, and um I think that that's probably going to be your best bet so here are some verses that i that I was you know had planned to to read and then I've gotten so distracted today that i'm I apologize folks for being for being loud i guess for saying the f word Shoot. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the Father of all, and the God of all comfort. So God is comfort. You know, God is, you can take that to the bank. Come unto me, all ye that are, that are, um, that, that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Okay, you know that with Matthew 11, okay? And then um, uh, after seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain and when he was set and his disciples came to him. Okay, so this is like the Sermon on the Mount. And then he says, um, you know, the the, uh, the Beatitudes. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are they that, you know, the, these, these, these very special, blessed are they that mourn. Okay, let's take that one. Blessed are they that mourn. Now, I've had a lot of mourning to do in my life. A lot of mourning. In fact, my entire life seems to be one big mourning session. 
You know, you can ask Trish. I'm just always on the verge of tears, always on the verge of, uh, of collapse with, with, with sorrow. And, but, it says, for they shall be comforted. So when you mourn, like if I mourn my daughter, you know, then I'm, I'm, I may cry, but then I'm, I'm comforted too in that same thing. I don't expect not to have the pain. I expect that if I didn't have God, I wouldn't have that comfort that comes with it that makes it me able to go on and do the next thing. Um, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So those passed over at the job, those digging ditches, those being janitors. Trish and I, the furthest we got in the church system is we were janitors cleaning toilets. That's as far as they would let us go. So blessed are, right, so, that, so you become meek in that sense that, you know, you're not exactly going to be wielding your own destiny because, you know, you've got 15 billion other people that uh, say it's a collective and you have to get permission from the collective and from the big god of the collective just to, just to move up and be, you know, a window washer. So um, blessed are the merc- merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Pure heart. I used to be a pure heart. Just completely pure heart. I just always see things one way. You know? Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you're persecuted for righteousness' sake... Um, and you've inherited the kingdom of heaven. That means the kingdom of heaven is basically the kingdom of reality. The kingdom of reality. In other words, heaven is real, but heaven isn't like up there and that's it. Heaven is, you know, the concept is is very simplistically presented, but it really is a multidimensional reality that uh, um, one doesn't really enter into one one has to, it's it's you you can't be in you know eternal you know one day of your life you have to either eternal right now or you're not you were eternal before you were born or you're not so where were you before you were born you're in the kingdom souls are in the kingdom is that the kingdom of heaven? Uh, the Bible's not that clear on it, but, but you, you can make that assumption. Let's just put it this way. If you're persecuted, and you, and you know you're being persecuted, like I know, you know that we get punished for making movies and stuff. Um, and, and they really, they, 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 they really take, take some issue. I mean, if they know you're like, a Christian, you know, making, especially if you're a white Christian making a film, they'll try to get you, you know, lawsuited. You know, they'll they'll throw rocks at you, they'll stone you. You know, they'll 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 say good luck. They'll say I'm with you. I'm on the team while they're placing, you know, the fourth dagger in your back. That's basically what you get here because most, you know, like 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 I would say that. Uh, 
the crew that we pulled together in Austin, they were all just basically sort of you know, Antifa sympathizers, you know, and, you know, witches. They wore capes and they had spells. They put 666 on the slate and they were just having a lot of fun mocking our Christianity while we were doing this movie. And then they had the nerve to be kind of puritanical. And when there was nudity, they were trying to cover it up and say, you can't do that. That's blasphemous. And I'm like, you're, you're like Mr. Orgy over here. It's blasphemous, but it's because we're doing it. And I know one day I'll write a book about it. I'll, I'll write a book about each person and, and I'll just show their proclivities. I guarantee they won't get anywhere in life. They won't get anywhere in the movie business. They'll, I mean, there'll be a crew. They'll be, you know, they'll be running around, you know, uh, running cable around and, you know, hel helping, you know, sandbag the camera and, you, you know, uh, helping, you know, with makeup and different things like that and costumes. But that's about it. You know, I'm little, you know, little weekend uh, commercials and, you know, cheapo student films. I mean, that's basically where they're going to wind up. But, I mean, that's... That's what you get in an arts town. And, and I, I don't even try to, to film here in Santa Fe. Because I do mainstream horror. Mainstream. And it's, it's too extreme for them. They can't handle it. I'm like, you know, the, so the question becomes, how can you be a Christian and do something that even horrifies us? Because, because you've been coddled your whole life. That's why, you know, this, this kind of cinema that we do, it's called subversive upends your world. You don't like it, so you try to punish us on IMDb. I get you. I understand what you're trying to do. But it's not going to work. Not when we have 75 awards to show for it. Not when there's people that appreciate it around the world. And speaking of, you know, things like Girl Next, which was one of the most fantastic experiences in my life, because I really did some hands-on producing, you know. I didn't just write the script. I did, like... I had to go, like, like they took away our car. Uh, we had a sheriff's car. And they just took it away, you know, without checking with anybody. They, oh, well, my friend needs it back now. And it was sabotage. You know that's, that's what they were up to. So I went down to the Austin airport. Austin, you know, a horrible place. <laughs> I went down to the Austin. Well, I guess if you have money, it's not bad. If you have money and you can go to the comedy theater with Joe Rogan's there, maybe that's cool. I don't know. I know they got good ribs, but that's really not on my menu these days. I'm more of a you know Mediterranean kind of guy, you know. But anyway, bottom line is, you know, and hey, I, I see you out there talking away in the chat room. That's good. Um, whenever we can fellowship, that's good. You know, just to know that we're all kind of. You know, the comfort's there. You know, the comfort is there. Anyway, so hands-on producing, I just reminded, I was talking to Larry yesterday about heading out to uh, the Austin airport to get, you know, to get, uh, you know, I had to rewrite in my head the, the, that part of the script where the sheriff, they gave him this old kind of boss hog sheriff's car. It looked like it was antiquated, you know. So we got a brand-new Escalade, uh, black on black, of course, and, and put some you know, some police lights on it. <laughs> and and uh, so now the sheriff's got two cars. So he shows up with the uh, black and white, and then he shows up with the Escalade, you know, to show that he's, uh, he's dealing drugs, he's dealing slaves, he's, he's, you know, he's like a little bit of a made man. He's kind of, he runs that, 
section of Texas, right? He's a big man. And it, it actually worked. And Larry went out, I remember one morning before we were the call time, and he took a couple of uh, helpers with the, for the camera, and he went and got a whole bunch of footage of that to Escalade to use later. And so we saved the uh, continuity. But can, can you believe that? Not even telling me. The producer, or one of the producers, we had two producers on hand, and not telling the other guy, Loris, you know, that, hey, we're taking the car. And then Larry goes, well, they took the car. Like, he's going to be stuck with it. I said, no, I'm not going to settle for that. You know, then we had to, you know, do, we had to do a lot of work from um, our RV where uh, I just didn't feel like, you know, we need to be on the set, you know, every second getting sick to our stomachs of how people are failing us. And, um, you know, we, we wound up being completely blessed. We wound up having more footage than we needed. That, that There's a couple of scenes that have to do with the New World Order that I just really, I hope we put in a director's cut or something and another cut, you know, if, if Girl Next keeps going like it is now, which is, you know, opening up in Singapore, it's done very well there, and, uh, you know, opening up in Asia, and then and, then South America, uh, Italy, now we have the book and the DVD bundled together, but I still think we need a an audio book, you know, an audible book. Uh, they've got Bride of Reanimator out there, it's an, not Bride, but the Reanimator is an audible book. And that's a novelization, and it's kind of a boring read. But mine is not just a copy of the film. It's a, it's addenda. It's it's extra th- things. It's it's more science about how they use how techniques used in mind control in electricity used in mind control uh, you know techniques, like what they had. What they had um, electrode type things attached to her head, but they're not electrodes. They're um, their contact points with the uh, with the um, um, uh, transformer, the transformers from the 1950s that we used, and then the uh, the electrodes that are there are not done not electrodes like encephalogram or some kind of you know just uh, taking data. It's for projecting electricity, but they don't need these days. You don't need the big you know the big uh, crown that they put on and say one flew over the cuckoo's nest or something. This big round thing that goes on your head and shocks you, you know, that's, that shields you from the electricity. So the things have changed, and so you just need this little shock. And you could tell those things would light up. And then they, then they thought, well, that's the cheapo thing to do. And it's like, no, that's the way it's done nowadays, you know. They're, they're not using um, these big, uh, you know, like crown-type things to, to fasten your head to a light. That's like 1950s stuff. They don't do that anymore. They put these little contact points on your on your frontal lobes, and that's plenty of shock when you're using a, you know, a four, four or 500-watt uh, um, transformer, right? So, you know, all that was accurate, and, you know, they couldn't mess with that. And then... then Really, having that big ranch to shoot at was really a, a, you know, we got a lot of production value out of that, that they couldn't screw up. And then finally, we we just uh, adjusted to what we had. We got everything we wanted, and we got the entire film, and they thought they had sabotaged it, and they were laughing about it. And then we said, no, we got everything. I'm very happy with it. And people that, that like it really like it. People that hate it really hate it. 
And I, that's everything I do comes out like that. I'm not going to pull punches. I'm, if, you know, we didn't pull any punches. The only thing that we didn't do is we didn't get, you know, the, you know get more side. There's some other angles we could have had on it if we had had, you know, more money and stuff. But this was a you know, people don't realize this is a really low budget shoot. And we were, um, people couldn't even believe we got that much footage. We had like over two and a half hours of movie there. And so it broke it down to about an hour and 40 minutes. An hour and 40. Usually these low-budget films come out to be 85 minutes. So I felt that, uh, you know, God was definitely with us and stretched the time. And um, we had the actors we wanted. I mean, I wouldn't change, I wouldn't change one frame of that movie. You know, if they said, well, you can go back and redo it. I said, I'm not doing anything. I'll write the novel that fleshes out some of these people. Then I started writing a sequel in a screenplay form. I started writing a sequel of Lorian West. You know, who is Lorian West? And, you know, besides being one of the top assassins in the world. And she's completely owned by the military-industrial complex. And, but at the same time, there's a split of factions in the military-industrial complex, many splits. And uh, so they have her, you know, going through training, but they're grooming her to take out one of the top guys, you know, like, like the WF guy, something like that. You know, something you would love to see. Yeah, that would be episode one. And then, uh, really, she's such a power... At one point, she meets a clone of herself, and, you know, she's a clone too, in a sense. And she has to fight herself. <laughs> uh but uh, yeah, no, it's 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 interesting. It's real, real. You know, it's, it's, it'd be great to have twelve, twelve issues of that. You know, you know, on a, on a streaming thing because it would be, you know, just the adventures of Lorian West, the chronicles of Lorian West, and her quest, uh, really, to to get out of being a slave of the military industrial complex, to get out, and to get out of being an assassin, and to marry a, a man of her dreams and settle down and have children and live in a nice house with acreage. That, right? That's her real dream because she keeps remembering that somewhere in her life. You know, but, it, that would, but when, she was ha- when she thought she was in that life like that, she was being set up. She was being lied to. She never had that life. But she has a quest for it, much like Tom Cruise in the movie Oblivion. He had a quest to, he kept remembering something from, because he was a clone, but the clone didn't erase the memories that he had, the, the, the original uh, Tom Cruise guy had. And he kept thinking about, you know, this, this, by this lake and vinyl records. seemed like everyone, when they think nostalgically, they think of vinyl records. And in his case, it was a Led Zeppelin record. And uh, the girl, the girl of his dreams, he had met her, you know, before the apocalypse. And he, and he just wanted to have her in the, the place by the lake and a few uh, records to listen to. And uh, he was just a happy camper. He just, he just had this memory of when life was normal and he's trying to recreate it. And the thing they had to do, he and Morgan Freeman, is they had to take out the AI in the sky. It's like a robot up there, you know, just floating around, controlling everything. You know what I mean? Sending in drones and attacking people and killing people and... The real people were hiding underground, trying to trying to survive. Sound familiar? Can you believe they actually got to produce that movie? I've watched it five times now, and I I got to tell you, 
I just love every frame of it too, you know. And I love the subversive cinema that we've done, and it doesn't really matter what other people say. It's just, uh, you know, I, I could I could see it one day as a uh, people keep people go, oh, that's not a masterpiece. Don't worry. That you know, it's like, well, it's it's a low budget movie. What low budget movie looks like a masterpiece when it comes out? None of them do. They, people call it that. He goes, well, it's not a masterpiece. It's not, you know, you're like, if you get a six, well, how about if we get a two? Then I'd really want to watch it. Yeah, anything, anything below four, I'm in. Everything I've seen that got slammed on IMDb that's like, like a two, two and a half, even a 1.8, uh, I've, I've enjoyed. I'm just, and, I've, and I've had memorable moments. Anything above that's like 7.4 and stuff like that, you know, 8, um, <clears throat> it, it's being a waste of time, a waste of, waste of money if you had to pay for it. I don't pay for it anymore. Won't do that. I'd rather see these, these uh, freebies that, are, that got slammed and forgotten, you know, might have won a film festival or two, and yet the, 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 the sharks on IMDb just trashed the hell out of it. And um, that's what they're there. They're there on Letterboxd and IMDb, and they're there to, to, to trash you, and they're there to lift up the establishment. That's, that's, they're not critics. They get paid to do what they do. It's crooked, okay? It, it's, it's for sale, too. If you have enough money, <clears throat> you can go ahead and buy your ratings if you like. But, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've played that game, too, and there's no way to win. They're, they'll eventually get you in the end. The best thing to do is do not buy any ratings for, for, for whatever you do. You're just going to have to live with the fact that we're in a corrupt world. And if you want your IMDb score to be, you know, six or seven or better, you then have to hook up with an executive producer like a Netflix or a Amazon or somebody like that to have your back. And then their publicity department will make sure that you don't drop below a certain number because it's, again, it's all, it's all manipulatable by the management. So it's not really fair, is it? They don't want indies. They don't want independent voices. They, 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 um, they're at war with indies. And they should be because they're about to go out of business. But give me the one or two stars almost every time I'm seeing a superior movie. Not every time. Sometimes it's junk. But, but most of the time there's something there. And uh, something original, something they don't want you to see, so they give it that rating, so you'll pass it by and go on to the to the one with one of their famous actors in it, and then you go, oh well, this looks better than that. When in actuality, it's not. But if if the if the idea is to feed yourself the good stuff, you you have to be more creative in your searches. You can't just go, so and so is it, or you know. When it's backed by the establishment and when they've spent over $5 million, you could, nothing happens over $5 million. Yeah, Nothing. It's just it's the same old, same old. It's like these Netflix streamer movies. They, they are a compilation of four or five other movies you've seen ten times. But when it's really you know, low like that, and it's, they have to get it. I saw one about just these guys in a cave. And some found footage in a cave, you know, about some monster that's in the cave. Absolutely riveting. You know, you know, a one star, you know, forget about it. Don't ever watch this. It's trash. And I totally enjoyed it. So it's, it's, uh, 
Why? Because I'm a junkie for creativity. Christopher Nolan certainly hit the wall. Look, he, he's supposedly the best, most creative director since Stanley Kubrick, right? Wrong. You know, if you can live through Oppenheimer, then congratulations. I can't even believe such a boring topic would even be approached. But anyway, the, so he put his name on it, and uh, that's his deal. So they'll charge you 20 bucks to watch that. And then, you know, I, you, know you might want to watch something about time travel from uh, one of these two-star people. And it all depends. Uh, they, they, yesterday they threw at me, you know, movies they thought I'd like, and they have, like, you know, the next one up is Interstellar. And, you know, it, it's, it's interesting in the second half on. But, I mean, getting to that point, having their version of the apocalypse or their version of the, you know, ending of Earth, and so they had to go into space. Um, it's just, like, how, how many times have you even had this concept? Like, a million. And, and you know, yeah, it was... You know, that was the best of the time. That had the best ratings from the New York Times. There was, like, stellar ratings... But, uh, you know, it didn't quite, uh, it didn't move me. I totally fell asleep to, you know, I was bored, bored out of my mind. I like the good stuff, you know, the Russian caviar, right? Dom Perignon champagne. And to get it in this environment, which is toxic and backwards, I have to look for the low ratings. I have to look for the, for the obscure. I have to look for people that, uh, they just set, had an idea and they set out to make some film because they really love film and they really believe in it and they, they're doing it for all the right reasons. They're passionate. And, um, you know, it may not be the most perfect thing in Hollywood standards, but it's got the ideas. And the ideas are what turn me on. It's the ideas that get me, you know, thinking and, and, and uh, wondering. So what I want to do is play uh, some music. I just want you to see this. We have one of the most sophisticated and one of the greatest composers since Angelo Badalamente or since any of these, you know, John Conti or any of these people, and even more innovative, very modern, okay, named Colin McGinnis. And um, I just, I, okay, you, you know, uh, I just want you to hear if I can uh, play a couple of things from Girl Next the level of sophistication. Please go ahead and put it up against a, a Stanley Kubrick, uh, uh, you know, uh, sampling of his music as I did yesterday. Or, or anybody. Um, so all these uh, tunes relate. And hopefully we'll be able to produce it as a, as a CD. I've just been unable. I've, I've been, I don't have... Uh, people to help me, so I'm, I'm just, you know, stuck. Uh, I want to find, okay, stitch me up. Check this out. This is in the end when uh, the Heinrich character is, uh, his face is falling off and his wife Misha is completely concerned about how damaged he is. And, and it, it shows a tender uh, moment between them. And it's toward the finale.
see if we can get it in here.
So, just a, a few of, I mean, I just, you know, wanted you to see and hear um, a level that, you know, you usually, you know, just, just, let's just put it this way. This guy is playing with the best in the world. Okay. That's who we have. That's the score. Okay. So that alone, uh, puts it in another category, you know, but, but outside the trashers that, uh, are there. It puts it in the category of the awards, you know, the 75 or more awards now, something like 80. And then a girl next just got invited to another, specifically invited by name Girl Next, to a festival in the uh, in south of Spain, south of Barcelona, about a 100 kilometers, maybe 75 kilometers. I'm not exactly sure exactly, but it's this little town there that's um, north of the Italian Riviera, just north of Italy. And um, it uh, it looks like a really cool tourist town. It's a beach town type of thing, but it's an old, you know, from an old era, and it just it looks incredible. Very uh, nice lawns and just just a really nice place. And uh, it um, so we were um, invited there. I don't know what's going to happen, but they. I have a feeling the reason that they're inviting it is because the DVD and the book uh, Girl Next has been circulating around um, Italy. And, of course, if it's in Italy, it's going to be in Spain. It's going to be in, in the south of France. So it's, it's, it's about maybe uh, 150 kilometers from you know, you know, Marseille, let's say. And then Marseille is not far from the Italian uh, border. You know? So, it's, so uh, Girl Next has been circulating in that area, Barcelona, uh, this place, whatever. So they, they picked up on it. And, um, you know, again, we get comments about, well, gosh, they really, you know, they really trashed you on, you know, IMDb. And then, and, you know, even Tony Timpone said, well, it's completely unfair and a, com- a complete lie. And, uh, the, the, but thank God you have all these awards to prove it, you know, and, and especially awards like in Prague and other places like, uh, even the, 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 the one in India where they wrote up this long piece about, uh, uh Larry's directing and how it's going to be taught in film school and stuff like that, you know, just really quite the opposite. This, this schizophrenic disparity is because folks, you know, you don't know many people that are that are like mingling in this situation like we are. So here's the thing. It has to do with the signature that we have. It's a signature thing. You know who really taught me about that signature was Jonathan Kleck. You remember Jonathan Kleck, the, the bell ringer guy who had the prophecy about uh, the Hoover Dam being blown and it didn't happen on 11-11? Remember that? Well, I had visited him because he... He lives in San Antonio, and uh, he's had uh, some little kids there. He was really a good dad with his kids, and you know, a nice guy. You know, uh, kind of kind of troubled soul, though. You know, troubled about uh, you know being persecuted in the world, especially. You know, he felt he was really ripped off for sunglasses he developed and other other things he developed, and he got uh, shafted. And I'm like, well, yeah, welcome to the club. Anyway. The bottom line um, is that he was talking about a signature on things and how a child of God, you know, a a God person has like a certain signature. No matter what you do, Michelle Archer knew about this. 
And she was a great writer. I really loved her writing, especially her poetry. But she was just a great wordsmith. In fact, she handed me the mantle to be a writer. After she passed away, I, I was handed the mantle. You know, I was going to do an audio book out of one of her books of, that was based on one of my ideas. And I only got about three chapters in. I hated my reading. I just I couldn't do it the way that I wanted to hear it. Like, I'm not that great a reader, you know. As some some guys are just excellent at reading books, you know. But um, you know, she was having, uh, you know, she published a few of her novels, and I think she was having the same kind of problem. Here she was, a brilliant writer, better than anybody on the New York Times thing. Just like you hear, you hear um, Collins' uh, score. Okay, so what do you think of that? Is that is that like you know is that as good as Star Trek? Is that is is that like you mean if I told you Hans Zimmer did that, would you believe me? Of course you would. So so that's my point. So what's the deal? So what's the deal? And, you know, I'm sick and tired of being, and, and I, so when someone compares us to, like, somebody that's a worlder, I reject it. I don't want, I, it's not fair. Because we're not on the same, we're, we're, we're being treated in a double standard. Okay, just like the, the, the persecution of Christians right now by the DOJ. It's the same thing, it's a double standard of justice. And that's exactly the, the, the bottom line with, with uh, with, um, you know, the, the, the venturing out and, you know, producing films, so they're very hard to do. And, you know, and we can do them, and we can do them in, in a traditional way, uh, but the signature on that piece was somewhat subversive. But it proves the youth or the people that are marking it down, they have no clue what they're looking at. None, not a clue at all about what it, what's, what's going on there. And um, that they just know they don't like it. And so they just start saying, well, it's amateur hour and this and that. Well, yeah, we did not use professional actors. We used, I mean, people that had acted before, but they're not, none of them were, were stars or anything. We, we, we did a nationwide search and a, and a global search for these characters and made a decision to go all no names, you know, and gave four actors a great opportunity to really uh, show what they've got. But, you know, they might not be as polished or whatever as, as, you know, it might be harder for the public to accept someone where they don't know the name. You could see a performance on that level by someone you know and you accept them. But if you don't know them, then you're going to be, hmm, I wonder if that, oh, that didn't sound right. You know what I mean? You're going to be, instead of going with the story, you're going to be scrutinizing. And that's wrong to do that. But that's not giving that person a chance. If their name was, uh, you know, Nicolas Cage, then... uh, you'd forgive a whole lot of bad acting. You know, and a lot of mistakes. You know, or perceived mistakes. You wouldn't even notice them because the name's Nicolas Cage. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's curious. It's, 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 it's a completely... Um, it's, it's just like what you see with the Department of Justice. It's the same level of unfairness. Alex Jones, don't care what you think about him. He's, he's been right way more often than he's wrong, as Joe Rogan says about him. And he was completely mistreated in court, where they wouldn't allow him to testify. They wouldn't allow him to, t- to show any, put on any evidence. They just said to the jury, he's guilty, 
And any other kind of verdict, I won't accept it. The judge is like telling him what to, how to vote. And anything less than he's guilty and then he owes a billion dollars. You know, and then Andy No, and then all these other people, uh, they are completely out of control. But it's the same double standard in entertainment, I'm telling you, that you can't, and same thing with book publishing. Had this been, you know, a, a real world, Glass Backwards would have been a bestseller. And it would have been right up there with, the, with other literary novels, you know what I mean? It would have been up there with, uh, you know, things like Catcher in the Rye or whatever. It would have been definitely an intense horror novel that would have been, you know, subversive satire and all that. So it would have been lauded for what it was doing. Most people don't even know what I'm up to. They have no clue what I've done. They think subversive satire is a mistake because they don't understand it because they never got taught it in school. So they don't know what they're looking at with satire. They don't know what they're looking at with black comedy. They don't know what they're looking at with social commentary through uh, fictional you know, stories that are allegorical. They, they wouldn't even know. They wouldn't, they wouldn't know anything unless you feed it to them like some little pedantic little comedy thing or, or you know, a, a little thriller with aliens or something or you know, somebody kidnapping somebody and trying to get them back. I, I can't watch another movie like that because I can't stand wasting the time. You know, well, have you seen Am I whatever Mission Apollo? No, I haven't seen it yet. I have really no motivation to see it. Big Hollywood movie. I'm not really into big Hollywood movies, so not really my thing. You know, unless, unless and until, um, you know, there is some justice in this whole thing. Um, not really interested in Tom. I'm, I'm interested in Tom Cruise's past movies like Eyes Wide Shut. And that's not a perfect movie either, even though it's by the late, great Stanley Kubrick. So I'm, you know, I'm pretty pissed off. But because of the DOJ's corruption, it's all falling into place now, the entertainment corruption. The entertainment world and the world of movies is completely corrupt. And it, it's, there's a there's a... There's a there's a there's a double standard, and there's a there's a need that if you're not in in a particular club, they want to run you out of town, or they want to you know shame you for even attempting to do something that you're passionate about. And it's 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 they don't run the world. They, it's not their world. And many different points of view. People have different points of view on different things. They're all valid. We, if we only get one point of view, you know what I mean? And we, all we get is like Liam Neeson chasing somebody to get, you know, to get the girl back. And that's all we end up seeing. It just gets to be this you know, pain and oppression through boredom, through, through, through constant repetition of you know, stupid memes. We've all seen the memes. The memes don't mean anything anymore. Memes are, you know, dead as far as I'm concerned. And, um, you know, the, the, everybody posts them now. You know, they're, they're, they're not rare anymore. You know, some people are really good at it, true, and some aren't. I like the ones that are good at it, but I'm just saying in general, we've, we've played that out now. And the meme makers should be making, you know, trying to make uh, TV shows or something. Um. I like, uh, you know, videos that are instructional, like with you know, drumming or surfing and, you know, different things. I've seen a really great surfing documentary called Chasing Monsters. 
uh, not it's almost fictional. Just amazing photography, amazing, dangerous, death death defying uh, waves that are thirty feet, forty feet breaking on just rocks, and surfers that have the the the, the gall, the 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 courage to ride these things. It just blows my mind, and uh, the beauty of the ocean, the power of the ocean. It's just I can. All day long, I could watch that stuff. I could have the, the, the you know, not, not com- competitive surfing. It's about a guy in Australia. The, the Aussies are way ahead of everybody in terms of surf, surf movies. But the, it's about this guy, um, Kirby, who was, um, you know, he, he grew up in a family of his dad was a musician and in bands and stuff and a composer. And uh, his brother became like his wingman. You know, they both would look for waves together and he would drive the jet ski because you need to be towed in on a jet ski, and then you need some. If you wipe out, you got to be rescued before you really do damage to yourself. You know, before you die. And um, you know, you're dealing with serious in, in South Australia, in southwestern Australia, down by Perth, down in that area, down that. There's just these waves break on pure granite rocks. Rocks are exposed when the wave is breaking, and they're riding it. I just can't even believe it. And it's about this guy who, and his dad was frustrated with him growing up because he was really a great surfer, right? Had a smooth style, and he was like, he was doing aerials before anybody else, and he was like getting barreled in impossible waves and making it through. He was just an all-around great surfer. But, uh, and so dad wanted him to go into, you know, with Volcom, and he got offers from Volcom and from, uh, you know, O'Neill and uh, from, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, Red Bull and and uh, who are some of the others involved? Quicksilver and you know various you know he's in all the surf magazines for his death-defying uh, slab riding, you know breaking on great <laughs> break the wave is breaking literally on these exposed granite rocks and he's riding the wave and he's making the wave and most people wouldn't even have the they wouldn't have the nerve to even paddle out okay so. Um, but he shunned, he just was one of those, he was a total lamb. Complete lamb, he's totally one of you, you know. And and he, he shunned the competition, just like I did. I was invited to to compete as a surfer, uh, you know, when I was young. And, um, you know, for, for uh, um, I was actually offered twice, even when I hit 40, I was offered to, to be in that 40s men's thing because I was... Uh, you know, killing it down at Zuma, Zuma Beach. I, I surfed every day about that age, and um, got it all back from when, from my youth. You know, I had been uh, talented at it at youth, but the, the 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 thing is, is all the kids were going into these competitions, even down at like Bay Street in Santa Monica, just pure shit waves, or down in Venice, and um, you know they would ride anything, you know, to to see if they could if there was a contest, you know, to see if they could get sponsored. See if they get free surfboards, you know, free wetsuits and stuff. And um, to to me, surfing was always about the ocean. You know, it was always about the beauty of the ocean and just like, just the amazing wonderment of, 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 you know, of way. I I used to just love watching waves and watching, you know, uh, you know, friends uh, on, on their, you know, catching their own waves and, you know, I thought about going into photography at one point, but it, it wasn't really my thing. So I, uh, I'm not really, don't have really much talent for photography. So, um, 
you know, so that wasn't going to be it. So it was really, you know, just paddling out on, on those great days. I, I remember times getting Cardiff Reef, you know, with like three guys out and six foot swell. And, you know, um, that's a break that Rob Machado loves to ride. That's one of his favorites. And, um, you know, and then Swamis and then all those kind of places down in San Diego and then up in up into Santa Barbara, uh, you know, too. Um but it was like, um, you know, it was just the whole experience of the wave and the water, just walking down to Black's Beach from La Jolla Shores on, at low tide when there's like a, you know, 12 to 15 foot swell running. And it's hitting right there. Like, you know, every wave is perfect. It's classy. It's a slight offshore wind. It's just pure beauty. See, that's what got me going. And sometimes the whales would come into the break, big gray whales, and they would start playing around in the waves. And you had to get, kind of get out of the way, and, and same with pods of dolphins. And I just the whole experience was just to turn on, and then, you know, you'd catch waves and, you know, get tubed and stuff. And then a lot of people get inspired to run out and see if they could do what you did. But it's just all in your state of mind. And then I got to a point of minimal surfing where I had this huge 11-foot board. And I would, you know, I would catch any wave I wanted with that thing. It's just a big plank completely floated me out of the water a knee paddler. And so I would get a wave way before anybody else got it. And I was just like, I would just turn and kind of get up in the pocket and just like try to just stay there with, with as minimal movement as possible, just kind of creating a certain thing, you know, like, you know, total soul surfing type of experience rather than pumping and being competitive and trying to show off. Okay. So I took that route of the spiritual side and that route would not be, uh, you know, would not, would probably not be acknowledged in a competition. You know, it, it's it, this guy Kirby, who this movie was about. He, he, his dad was really upset that he wouldn't because he had potentially a million dollars lying there, and all he would really wanted to do was just, just ride these waves, these slabs, and his brother would would jet ski out, out, you know, ski him into these waves. So it's a, a high, you know, so there's a film I can highly recommend. It's called Chasing Monsters. It's free on, if you have Prime, I guess. And then the other one is more American surfers who are competitive, but they're big wave riders. It's called White Rhino. And uh, it's, it's made by this photographer. And it, it, it definitely has its, its moments of, of some of the biggest waves in the world. And just really beautiful, uh, beautifully shot. Amazing. So there, there's genius to those two. And, you know, um, anything else like that, I mean, surfing is easy. The subject matter that you're shooting is automatically one of God's most amazing. Th- it's, it's really God. A lot of people say they just... They look at those waves, they see God. They just see God in everything. You know, in the in the in the you know, the rivers, the streams, and the forests, and the beach, and the you know, the, the, the wildlife and the fish and the reefs. And the whole experience is just like God. You know, it just reorients you to God. And so when you watch these films, you feel reoriented to God. Even if you're not a surfer, I recommend it to it, you don't have to be a surfer to realize, you know. You, you would never surf those waves. I would never surf those waves. That wasn't it for me. But I appreciate others who do. 
you know, it's just, it's just uh, not, not that I'm hoping that they wipe out. I don't, I hope they don't wipe out. But just, just the, the, the courage these young men have. And it's mainly when you get to that size, there really aren't any women involved. You know, it's, uh, it's uh, because every, any, any, mis- any slight mistake could be, you know, people die. Every, that's what we don't talk about, but people die every season. You don't know which wave is going to get you, but they're willing. These guys are willing to pay the price. They know that they could die, and they're going out anyway. And um, you know why? Because the world... Because the world sucks. That's why they go out there. Because they hate the world. Because the world's ugly. Because people are ugly. And the, you know... The, the, what they've done with the world is ugly. And the squalor of, of every city on earth now is ugly. And the whole thing is, you know, been caused by a few trillionaire oligarchs who just think they can run it all into the ground and then hurt everybody in the process. And all of that, and all the pollution, all the plastic in the oceans that kill the dolphins and the whales and stuff, that's all done by them. Big corporations, guys like Larry Fink, guys like Bill Gates... They're the ones polluting everything. China. You think they care about dumping plastic in the ocean? Fukushima. What do they care? But because the world is so ugly and because the ocean is so beautiful, and that, whether you're sailing or whether you're surfing or whether you're scuba diving, it really doesn't matter. And whether you just get your toes in the sand and take a look out at the great beyond, you see God. And you don't see the ugliness of the world. I think that's one of the, the thing that's one of the hidden things about surfing that's so interesting. You don't see the world as it is. You see the world of beauty and 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 uh, potential. And uh, he's hurting. He he just rolled the ball over this keyboard, Trish. He, he threw it at the keyboard to try to stop this. <laughs> he, he just wants attention. All right, buddy. Now he's got the ball on my shoulder. He's putting the ball on my shoulder. Look at this. <laughs> well, he's my friend. I mean, he'd sit there when I was healing, and, you know, I was really sick, and I couldn't walk, and... um I was on oxygen, you know, 24-7 in the beginning. And uh, he would just wait patiently for me to, you know, be able to get out of bed and come out to, you know, into the house and be able to hobble along on my cane. I have, I, that cane I had with the sword in it, that's not the cane I use. I use a, um, a cane that's got a wider um, grip for the floor, you know, because I can't, if I fall, I have to go to the hospital because of the medication I'm on. So, you know, so I can't afford to fall. So even if I, if it's borderline where I'm I'm out of the cane, I can be real macho and go, hey, I don't need the cane. I'm real macho, you know. I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm going to run a marathon next. Um, I, w- I have to have the cane anyway, just in case. Yeah, this is my cane. I wish I could show. Well, I'll show you this in another video. This cane is a cheapo cane, but it's got uh, four grips on the bottom. One, two, three, four, and then it's it's collapsible. You could put it in a gym bag, you know what I mean, and then and then put it back together. But I had it all the way through the ER, 
and it survived the hospital. It survived uh, the trip to, to Dallas from Houston. It survived the, uh, the film convention we were at with uh, Quantum Devil. And by the way, that same composer, Colin McGinnis, he did the, uh, the score. For, he did an amazing, even more amazing, well, not more amazing, but he did the score for um, Quantum Devil as well. And so it is kind of like an Angelo Badalamente, David Lynch type of, type of thing with him and Larry. And I'm, I'm the one that actually found him, though. <laughs> I, I see as a producer, that's what the producers have to do. I had to find, track him down because we used one of his samples and we bought, we actually bought a, a piece of music from him that was in a, in a library in the UK. And then we just simply tracked him down, and he's just such a uh, lovely person. He's so humble. It's uh, unbelievable, but he's, he's, you can see he's a world-class. He, you know, he belongs. If, if this was a normal world, he would be in, in, you know, you know, equal to, uh, at least equal to Paul Hasslinger. At least equal to Paul Hasslinger. And pro- probably, I don't know, I think Paul's probably retired. Well, maybe he isn't. I don't know if he's retired or not. But he was one of my favorites. And uh, along with Zimmer, and, you know, the Zimmer is just kind of like, you know, standard, you know, you know, Batman, you know, and all, all that stuff. And then, you know, he's always on these big scores. I also like Trent Reznor as a composer. And he's, um, I was reading about the feud he had with Marilyn Manson and how he just rejected Manson because I think it had to do with Manson molesting children. And he just he just was banned from uh, Reznor's presence and from the studio. And uh, I, I, we haven't heard much from Manson in the last years. I mean, he put out an album a couple of years ago, but it did, just flopped. It's good. It's well produced. It's it's flopped. Um, but Trent Reznor did uh, is able to blend his sort of industrial synth work with. Uh, he was working with uh, Atticus Ross, and they won an Academy Award for the uh, for the Social uh, Network film, and um, it's a really good album. And they they do a cover of uh, Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin. It's just absolutely you know flawless. So you know, there's some people, but I mean, he's not that prolific right now, and so you know that can't really sustain me. All the Rob Zombies and all that just seem to have died with the '90s. And, um, you know, they're kind of like, they're like legacy, legacy musicians, you know, they go out with Alice Cooper and then Johnny Depp and they do a little, you know, and, and, and slash, you know, they, all the kind of has-beens, you know, trying to stay relevant and, you know, wearing lots of leather and, you know, tattoos and trying to look like real bad boys when, you know, I doubt any of them have ever murdered anyone, let alone drank their blood. They act like it. But I, you know, most people in metal they act like they they're they're ready for any of that stuff. But I think uh, once they get past the um, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, I think the next phase is 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 what stops a lot of them. And if it doesn't, and they get inducted, I'm not saying there aren't rock musicians who don't eat flesh. There are probably rock musicians that eat that are cannibals, who are you know not just rock but you know rap and all that. I mean, what about that Travis guy? You know. <laughs> 12 people died at his concert in Vegas or whatever. And they just looked the other way. <laughs> it was a big satanic, it was a big sacrifice to Molech. 
And people, people are so stupid, they don't even know what it was. They don't even realize it was all on, on purpose. They don't realize that it's all, it was all set up that way, that the whole, the whole thing was set up as a temple. They don't understand. I, I, I just I can't believe it. I mean, people that are participating in it don't get it. They're just like, you know, monkey see, monkey do, you know? And um, I, I, it's hard for me to take. It really is. It's, it's, the reason that I do so much fuck you material is because I just want to see if anyone gets it. I'm playing a game with myself, really, in a sense, and, it's, and I have to stop it. I know that. Well, it's, it's really a form of arrogance that is, is, is I, I have to keep in check, but the only reason I feel that I get arrogant is because of the level of competition is so low in terms of, you know, understanding. You know, I love to kick around ideas. And, and you know, it's hard to find people that, 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 you know, even think that way anymore. Used, no, that didn't used to be that way. You go to any philosophy building, like um, I remember um, any, any, you know, liberal arts college and there's the Department of Psychology, Philosophy, you know, the, the uh, social sciences and all that, economics, different things. And people would argue and talk and read different books and have different points of view. And not that anything ever got resolved, but I mean, they, they, there's a lot of deep thinkers. I'm, I, I don't doubt that there are deep thinkers in, in the philosophy department somewhere trying to figure out a way to defeat the ontological argument or something like that. There probably are, or they're, they're, they're tracing back, you know, Pythagoras's uh, secret society and, 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 you know, mathematics to find out the, the, the code for God or something. I, I have no doubt that's going on. But what is the purpose? Is it to get closer to God? Of course not. But then I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of uh, experience with insanity you know, just like, um, you know, I understand people having imaginary friends and, you know, like Vincent Damien Del Monte, one of the greatest characters of all in Glass Backwards. I may have to publish that book through Italy. I mean, I, published, I self-published it, but I want it to be legitimately published. And um, it's, it, I it kind of almost quit writing after that because that's like the best, the best I've ever done. But now I'm I'm beginning to get beyond that now as I've, I've changed in age and stuff. But that character would have, you know, like when he murders his mother, he'd, he'd you know, and cut her head off and everything. He thought his friends were doing it. You know, his, he had friends there in the house. And then it turns out that these were all imaginary. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the first statement uh, that you see in the book is to mother with love. And it's... Uh, and, you know, I know there's so many people that can relate to this character in this situation. And I even go into the, to a, a mock situation of a studio mogul who is a real guy. And let's see if you can figure out who it is, you know, somebody that I knew and his mother. And, um, you know, I think eventually the studio gets burnt down. <laughs> it's like Paramount just gets burnt to the ground. <laughs> and through, these, uh, through this guy, that it, it, it mocks magic. It, it, it mocks sex magic as well. And, um, you know, they're, they're trying to, like, store up magic and, a little, and, like, make a bomb out of it so it just blows up an intersection. And, you know, then it's got the placards, like you saw in Girl Next. Now, these that they do use, they will flash a blue placard in front of one of their 
um, you know, their, their people, one of their uh, Manchurian candidates. And that either that signals to that person to do a number of things. One, to stand down, you know, to let them collect them, collect them. Or two, a red card can be for, okay, go operational. You know, kill the, kill the guy. Or start shooting at, at, at the school or whatever it is. You know, and so we've got that going on. And a lot, of, a lot of secrets, including the maids running L.A., which, you know, that's the Santeria cult. And they, they run L.A. They get control of, you know, the billionaires and the millionaires. And they run, they run the, the, the men. And the women are held hostage. And the kids are, you know, under the control of the maids. And so they're running the whole thing. And then it shows how they are, they're having a big human sacrifice in, at the L.A. Coliseum. You know, on the, they're having a closed, you know what I mean? It's all guarded so you can't see what's going on in there. And it's all the maids of L.A. having this big, giant sacrifice to save. <laughs> and, of course, it's all humor. And uh, people, the people that I know, I mean, my friends get it, I guess. And people get it, kind of, but I, they resent it. They resent it. What? what? I don't understand what he's doing now. They resent it because they feel it's mocking them. It's like they're the brunt of the joke. And that may be part of our signature, folks, that we create art that they, that they resent either A, because it's you know, as good or if not better than what they produce with their help from Satan or whatever, or collective or however they look at it. It's a, whatever they look at, it's wrong. Every angle they look at it from is wrong. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter if they say Satan, the collective, um, you know, my, my penis or whatever. It doesn't really matter what they say. It's always wrong. Just remember that. They're always wrong. The news is always wrong. You know, the, the WEF is always wrong. Gates is always wrong. They're always wrong, no matter what they say. And it's not everything they say is a lie. Everything they say is just wrong. You know? And they're even, they even go so far as, I mean, because it's done on purpose so that they can corrupt the paradigm. And they can't correct, corrupt it by saying truth. They can only corrupt it by saying everything wrong, so they get in the habit of it. And they, even if they don't have to do it, they do it. So how could you take advice or anything from these people? How could you even respect them for one second? If, if Benz was caught in the river and Klaus Schwab was in the river, floating down the river, Klaus was going to drown. And Benz was going to drown. What do you think I should do? Seriously. Or Bill Gates was floating down the river and Ben's was in the river. I had to say, pick one of them to save. What do you think I'm going to do? I can't tell you because I'm not in that situation. I don't know what I would do. If I save Gates, I would kill my dog. If I save my dog, I'd kill Gates. So what do I choose? See, if I killed Gates, the other side would love it. They'd probably induct me right on that. That'd probably be my initiation. 
into the satanic side. If I saved Gates, they would hate it. It'd be like Jesus. Right? And then I would mourn my dog. But I but I've took another chance on Gates, you know, because God told me to. And I sacrificed my dog in so doing. And so and if that doesn't convict Gates of his you know, wayward uh, lawlessness and wayward um, hatred of human and his, his direct war on human. If that doesn't bust that up, then the guy is hopeless. Then there's nothing that will help him, right? If you, you can't get convicted on having your life saved by God or by someone from God, you know, sacrifices their own beloved dog that, that rips their heart out. If that doesn't get to you, then you're, 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 you're past due. You need to be dust. You shouldn't be alive because anything you do or say will only be a detriment to all of humanity and to all of the world. I mean, can't they see that? Can't they at least see that? I've probably said too much here. Well, it's... Um, it's sad that there's this... Um, I feel, after this today, I feel bolder. And, and I believe our signature is uh, our way of writing, our way of subversiveness, our way of uh, satire, our way of, uh, um, you know, uh, comedy, okay, is, is more accurate than theirs. And, but I don't think there's an us-them thing. In the end, I think it's just that it'll have universal acceptance. They'll finally see what it is they've been missing. You know, they'll, they'll finally understand, oh, that's what you're doing. Oh, wow, that's really great. I love it now. Because, see, they'll be in the same boat soon enough. They'll all be in the same boat soon enough. They'll see the world as an oppressor. You know, and they'll see God as a liberator. You know, the, they'll all see that. And when they do see that, they'll realize the futility of getting along to go along or do or as in Rome, do what the Romans do or monkey see monkey do. They'll see that that's just weakness and stupidity. They'll see that that's atrification of any kind of gift. That's, that's, that's a, uh, whenever you join the collective, you yourself go down so they can go up, right? You lower your IQ, you lower, you, you don't ask questions. You keep your mouth shut because uh, you like the acceptance. You like the, uh, the, the perks, but then in the end they stab you in the back. Okay. So you're going to get stabbed anyway. So I'm just, you know, it's 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 curious to watch. But uh, if I were them, I would embrace the ultimate rebellion, which is is uh, you know exposing you know the the the, the trafficking and the, you know exposing the mind control, exposing that, and that's what we've been doing. We've I've always been doing that. I was doing that back in Glass Backwards and in, in the uh, right around the two thousand two three era. But it's still relevant now, you know, it's it's still, you know, and I, I don't see, you know, I, I guess I don't see that. I mean, Hemingway was an out-and-out uh, Gertrude Stein communist, so that's why he was famous. And um, so in the end, I have to discount Hemingway. Great writer, but you know what? He was, he was, he was, he was programmed. You know, he was programmed by the Salon in France, in Paris. 
I didn't do it. He wanted to be somebody in publishing. So he went there and they made him. They made him a made man. You know, he pledged to the Communist Party. You know, we pledged the Communist Party. It's the same as initiation. It's the same, same thing. It's the same club. And, you know, when he did that, he, you know, all, everything sold. He taught, taught his fiction in all the schools, everything. Not everything has a communist message with Hemingway. For whom the bell toll is probably the most famous communist, uh, you know, manifesto of all. And <clears throat> he had to, he had to sell out to communism in order to get a publishing contract, you know, in order to be published and to have the backing of Gertrude Stein. He had to have the he had to pledge to communism. He had to make that pledge. He had to give his free will over to it. So finally, this thing was weighing on him so bad that he blew his brains out with a shotgun. Everybody has different excuses. No one comes up with that one. There's no excuse. He was, um, you know, obviously a tortured soul. And because once you make that deal with the devil, you're, it's going to torture you every day of your life. Unfortunately, he didn't realize, no one got to him with the knowledge that he could repent. See, but that would mean tearing down his publishing empire. <laughs> he, couldn't, he couldn't quite let go of that. Yeah. And then versus the other guy who writes even better than Hemingway, but he can't even get a, f a publishing contract. He needs to go pledge to communism first. And then they'll give him one. Nothing's changed since those days. You know, it's just now it's screenwriters and movies. Same, but it's the same thing. To, to be in, you know, there are people out there who are influencers and the ones that do really well, you wonder about. And the ones that tell the truth but don't have many followers, you wonder, what does that mean? You know, you're getting the truth here. And the truth is always different. Every day there's another aspect of the truth, another angle, another thing about the truth and about the prophetic truth and about prophetic healing and about all the things of God. And it's always, it's always a learning thing. It's always going, what, these people that are really doing that for real, it's like they don't, they don't get many, much attention. It's, it's really more of a zoom, zoom kind of thing that goes on, right? There's, there's a little uh, entertainment value involved or something or a connection to, you know, famous patriots, you know, and that connection to the fa famous patriot club where they're having a, a big rally down in Austin now, you know, so that, so, that, you know, so that connection through that or getting involved with that, getting involved with those, those movements and those people, those clubs, and that's going to get you a platform, you know, if you cooperate, but you've got to keep your mouth shut and not criticize your fellow, you know, writers, if you will, your fellow uh, presenters, your fellow influencers. You've got to, you've got to butter them up. You've got to, you know, you can't be on the truth all the time. Greg Lurie learned that. You know, when he finally was, you know, you know, a lot of these churches have embraced the LGBTQ thing because they know they have to if they want to be going again. But then once you see that, you're seeing basically anti-Christ, right? Because LGBTQ is not about sex. It's about mind control. It's got nothing to do with sex. It's got to do with uh, anti-God, it's got to do with um, 
uh, anti-human, and ultimately it's got to do with sacrifice to Moloch, and ultimately it's got to do with uh, changing um, you know, men to women and vice versa for the purpose of denigration of women, the purpose of the destruction of men into a controllable group that actually becomes a commodity that Klaus Schwab can control because they're all into the same thing. They're all into, um, you know, I think that's why Noel Harari is so stupid because he's, he's really, the stuff he says is, is more, it sounds like, you know, a bad Disney cartoon. (laughs) It really does. It just sounds like, I don't know where the guy went to school or what he, you know, thinks he's learned, but it's, that's very, very limited. His philosophy is, uh, is pretty much, you know, conflicted and bankrupted. And, um, his idea of these creating chimeras, he's in love with those, you know, he's in love with being like Frankenstein and having like, like half, half lion, half human, half, you know, half horse, half human, you know, stuff like that is what he wants to do. And, um, he wants to digitize humanity. So humanity can live forever in the digital realm and not need bodies anymore. Well, the only, I mean, can you see the glaring fault? That if you're not, if you, you know, you know, in other words, that you wouldn't have a soul, you would just be you know, an NPC character under control of a programmer trapped in a digital simulation with no way out. Fortunately, God laughs at people like Harari. I mean, he just laughs and guffaw laughter, just guffaw, guffaw. Big laughter how pathetic this guy is you know because the one thing about Harari that I know is he's he's like a juvenile in terms of you know emotional growth and people can't see that you talk to people they can't see it they don't see he's stunted and the reason he's stunted is because he's been groomed his whole life he's been he's been uh you you know uh propped up his whole life to be this the genius speaker for the uh, the globalist revolution of uh, non-bodies and, you know, changing into non-biological creatures. And, you know, it's just not even H.G. Wells level. It's just, it's worse than all of that. It's, 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 it's like bad sci-fi at best. You know, incomplete, not scientific at all. He goes, science will take over now. I'm like, science, you wouldn't know what science was if it bit you in the ass, buddy. He's got nothing. His book is hilarious. But the problem is he has influence over, you know, people like Klaus Schwab. So that's the deal. Anyway. Uh, It looks like it's time for me to uh, ski-daddle, so I will. Anyway, you know, the world is the way it is. And, um... Another thing I do is I do watch the drummers, you know, because I've started off as a drummer and I, I think it's amazing how far the drums have come. You know, like like you compare the Buddy Rich solos, which nobody could even get close to those, and still they can't, you know. But there are a couple of people, a couple of candidates like in the metal field that just basically can play all that stuff with one hand, you know, with one hand tied behind their back. So the technology has really grown. I, I'm more of old school. I, I, I'm just like a blues drummer, you know, and I, and I prefer less notes, you know, single bass pedal and getting in the pocket with the bass and not, you know, I just, it's, I don't need, I don't need all that 
speed and vitality and double bass drums and you know you know you know 64th note you know single stroke rolls and all that you know it's 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 a young man's game that stuff it's like athletic it's the same thing as is is soul surfing versus competitive surfing it's the same 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 rub in music you know people that shred on guitar versus a guy that just plays good blues I don't know. Who would you take, Steve Vai or Leslie West? I, you know, when I see Leslie West with that melody maker guitar, I just love it, you know? I, I mean, I just love it. Steve Vai could probably play everything Leslie West could, but the tone of Leslie West really gets to me, so I, I would probably go more with Leslie West. You know, and I don't know the guy. I, I know Steve Vai can play anything. I remember... I, was introduced to Steve Vai at the movie Crossroads with Ralph Macchio. And uh, he seemed like he couldn't play that song that uh, Macchio was playing, but uh, I think he could play it. I think it was just you know, the fiction of the movie. He, oh, he just, that's just a bridge too far. Anyway, God bless you, each and every one. I hope this uh, sees you through. Remember... Well, did I read a couple of uh, uh, scriptures to you? Uh, you know, make sure that you get this. Um, um, I have a whole bunch of them here, you know, um, and that I just keep on hand. They're not not from you know from just gathering from the last few years. And I think um, so. And you now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. Says Jesus, you know, which is to me means. Go to the Lord, because that's the only place there's going to be. You, you, you're not going to find joy in other people or in you know your work in life or your hobby or whatever it is you're doing. All you're going to find is distraction, and the clock keeps ticking. You've got to have that. The only way to get through, especially when you get older to being a senior citizen, you start realizing there's such a thing as ageism. you got to cling to the Lord. You know, that's why I have that cane with a sword in it, because they see somebody with a cane, which I have to have, you know, I mean, it, because it, it, at least to prevent falling. And I, you know, the last four weeks I, I needed, I couldn't even walk without it. But now I, it's kind of, you know, I can walk a little better now. I just saw the chiropractor and he helped me. I'm going to see him next week and we're going to work it out. But I have to have it for safety purposes. But when if they see if this I was in a city with that cane walking around I mean I'd be just a target like boom you know so you just got to think about that you old folks you know where they the thugs out there today they love to target old people because there's not much of a fight I remember this one old senior citizen was getting off the bus and this guy came up behind him he kicked him down on the pavement he died instantly he just kicked him in the back and he fell down the steps of the bus and he, he was just trying to get off the bus. Yeah. And, and he just kicked him down the stairs and he died instantly. And uh, so, so senseless. But so I'd say for that senior citizen and for all senior citizens that are, that are trying to exit the bus, um, you know, there is a lot of hostility because 
you know, there's a lot of stupid people that are racist. And they've been turned into racist by the media. You're a real enemy, okay? And so they are people that are not educated. They just they just kind of like, you know, racist, you know, they're sort of rednecks, but on the other side of it, you know, and they're racist. They don't, they're not going to give you a chance. If you're white, you're, you know, you're going to be targeted. And yes, they will kick you off the bus on your head and kill you. They will smash a brick on your head if you're walking down the street. They will, um, they will use you for the knockout game. They will do all that. And uh, it's because they're programmed and they're uneducated. So they, they don't think. They just, they're programmed and they just hate, they hate whitey. They don't even know why. They don't realize, they don't realize what they're doing. And if they did, then they would be retarded. And then their IQ is like 50. So they're useless anyway. So they can't hold a job. They can't do it. All they can do is steal and kill people. And this is a product of the media. We shouldn't have racism anywhere, but toward anyone. But it, it's, it's, they look at it as now it's payback time. So they blame... According to the media, they blame white people for all the trouble they're having and white privilege, so therefore it's open season. I was in, ran into this in the hospital. Um, not everybody, you know what I mean, but, but I was, the, you know, when probably most of the people in the hospital were ethnic in a sense of they were from other places like, you know, Philippine nurses and, you know, we had doctor by, by doctors from Africa and he was really great to me and all that. But then there was others who just had this attitude. You know, it's another, you know, boomer, you know, white guy, Christian, and in the hospital, geez. You know, and you could tell they wanted you to die. They, I could tell they wanted me to die. They didn't like that I was recovering. Anyway. Yeah, enough said. I've, well, you know... If you want to blame someone, you can blame people in the media. You see someone like a Chuck Todd on the street, you know, you might want to confront him and say, hey, thanks a lot for destroying my family. Thanks a lot for destroying the world. Thanks a lot for your shit on everything. You know, if this was a normal world, you'd be pummeled into the ground, buster. You know, but that's not going to happen because people don't do that. No one's going to do anything. They're going to walk around, they're going to go to their pizzerias in New York, and they're going to really enjoy themselves in Atlanta, wherever they are. They're going to really enjoy themselves. They're under no, no fear of, of someone actually confronting them. They're self-righteous. They're gods in their own right. Like, what's it, that guy, Mika, and that other, that other clown, what's his name? Uh... Scarborough, what a what a complete lying piece of shit of human just human waste they are. Everything that blathers out of their mouth is a lie. Every single thing they don't ever tell the truth. Either does the View, either does Chuck Todd, either does uh, who else is out there? You know, uh, uh, you know the Fox News barely does. A couple of people, Laura Ingram and uh, that other guy, Waters. Tucker Cross, they got rid of him. Uh, you know, James uh, O'Keefe, they got rid of him. Uh, Alex Jones, they got rid of him and a bunch of other people. 
locked a whole bunch of people up. I mean, it's like it's beyond Russia. It's beyond the police state of Russia. It's beyond, you know, and it's pure evil these people are participating in. And there, I just, the reason I mention it, I don't mention it lightly. They are going to get their punishment, but it'll be direct from God. You know, they think they're so protected with their military and their nukes and their F-16s, and they feel nothing can touch them. God's going to decimate them all. They're going to be hiding underground and saying, please save us from the wrath of the Lamb. The wrath of the Lamb is coming. And the wrath of the Lamb is pissed off because why? Hurting children is why. Killing babies after post-birth abortion. So how many births are post-birth, from what I hear, underground, which can't be verified, but but all babies are post-birth abortion that are aborted. Are you going to throw 150 grand down the toilet? Just wrap it up in a you know, plastic bag and put it in contaminated waste? Or are you going to are you going to divvy it up? Uh, you going to make it into a commodity? What do you think? You know, there's a guy there with a check. He's ready to write a check. The doctor is sitting there. You can you can play ball, doc, and you can get a big check for 100 grand, or or 50 grand, or whatever it is. Or just throw the baby out. You know, you know, it's still a sacrifice to Molech. It still counts in keeping Biden in power. Oh, keeping the Republicans in power, too. No, I would never be a Republican. I can't stand the Republicans. They're the, they're the most perverted of all. There's a few that say they're Republicans that are good people, constitutionalists, Christians, I mean, for real, but it's like three versus, you know, 400. It's not really fair. It, you know, it, it's, it, it's hard for me to believe that, like, a Merrick Garland could sit up there and just lie like he does, straight, straight face, like, well, why did you let this guy go after he raped these people, he killed these people, and now he's on probation, and this guy walked across the lawn during, uh, you know, a... a, a the Trump rally or whatever he was he walked he didn't even go to the capitol but now he gets 10 years in prison what how do you justify that well the answer is uh because i can you know fuckhead because i can because you can't do anything about it i've got you in a stranglehold baby as ted nugent says i've got you in a box i've got the military i have the doj I got the presidency, I have the National Guard, and you, so far as I can tell, you have diddly squat. You've got a couple of pea shooters, and um, you've got, uh, you know, you, 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 you like Trump. And Trump is going to be taken out. So here you are with nothing, and here I am with all the guns. So I can do what I want, Okay. And you don't get to say anything. Anybody that's an enemy, I don't even need, they don't even need to be in the Capitol. All they need to do is have, all they have to, if we find out they voted for Trump, then they're going to jail. It doesn't matter how insane it is. You you have no say. Eventually, Laura Ingram and all those people in Fox News are going to be replaced. They're going to be fired. Nobody's going to have a dissenting word. We will do what we want, and that is we're going to turn this into a prison 
situation here in America. The Chinese are going to run all the factories, and their people are going to occupy all the homes. They already have your home. They have your the deed to your home. They've been signed. They're, they're ready to move in. They're just wait, wait, waiting for the purge, and then they're going to move into your house. It's the replacement I saw in 2004, just like uh, what happened to uh, you know the Israelites in the Babylonian captivity. Other people took over their houses and their homestead. Replacement. And you're not going to do anything about that either. In fact, you're going to go into captivity. Other people are going to occup- take your houses and your children and your machinery and your cars and they're going to pick up... The, the, you're going to not be there occupying your property and they're going to move in. And they already have a, a deed to your house. They, they've, they've already got all that. They're ready for the big purge and then they're going to come over here, 100, you know, 100 million of them from China. And they're going to just take over all the cities, take over all the, uh, the, the Beverly Hillses, the Malibus. They're going to move into all these houses and all these places. And they're going to just have a great world that they, that they rule over. Because you, you don't do anything, so therefore they get to do everything. But what can we do? Well, there's really nothing you can do now, is there? If you make a fuss, you get thrown in jail or, or you get shot. I don't know what you could do. Anyway, um, just remember that, though. They have all the guns. They have all the resources. There's not much that a patriot can do. There's not much a Christian can do. So maybe God wants to remove us from this. If so, then we have to just put our eyes on the Lord. No, I don't hate them. I don't, you know, I don't. Probably as I move on with my life, I won't think about them anymore. You know, I mean, I don't, I won't hate them or, or, or not hate them. They're not going to be in my mind to, to deal with because I don't really feel any connection there with a Gates or Klaus Schwab or any of the other. They're just, it's just an inconvenience of having come to this planet, which, you know, apparently uh, we wanted to do. I wouldn't be here. And I've seen all I can stomach of these uh of of evil i can tell you that i think i definitely um prefer good people and no lies the people that prevaricate i i have a problem with people that razzle dazzle double talk and all that i that you know what happens is i don't i don't hate them i just kind of drift away Okay, now let's uh, go out on something nice. And uh, <laughs> um, I mean, I think I pretty well vindicated in some ways, but uh, you know, in terms of being accurate and being talking about all this stuff and especially earlier on when I was making the rounds in the talk shows and stuff I, I do believe that we've we were out ahead by a lot of years but I mean I think we helped to to you know as things came due it, it, you know, to, to blunt the shock a little bit
there were a lot of people that were, you know, not, uh, you know, not accurate, and they never really apologized. Anyway, see you next time. God bless. What, what are you telling me? They lie? What, for money? How much money are you talking about here? <laughs>